Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. It's been a minute since we've had an Under the Influencer episode. Actually, there's another podcast out now called Under the Influence. Just to clarify, mine's Under the Influencer. (laughs) And it's just a series we've done for years now. Um, But two different things. I've had some DMs that people that were confused. Uh, I heard it's really good, though. So check it out. I haven't gotten a chance to listen yet, but I love podcasts that aren't mine. Anyway, welcome back. But yeah, it's a series I do on my podcast. I kind of, in my head, unofficially split up episode types in a few different ways. Um, One being topical deep dives, the other being a snorkel through several topics, which obviously is the opposite of a deep dive where we go through a bunch of different things. Uh, crowdsourced episodes like the recent ones with Twinkle Twinkle's uh, Soccer All-Star and Pussycat Dole, which were two of the most popular episodes I've ever had. I'm so glad you guys liked those. Those were really fun to record. Uh, It was nice to just do something lighthearted for a minute. It's uh, hard for me to know sometimes what people are going to like or look for. Uh, But anyway, yeah, so the other type is Kate Lila episodes where people call into the hotline 312-397-9676 and can ask questions or for advice or fun pop culture stuff. And I call those Kate Lila after how much I love Delilah on the radio. Um, and then I have typically once a month or so I'll have on a guest. Um, sometimes it's a bonus episode. Sometimes it's about a topic. But whenever I get the opportunity to interview an amazing influencer or micro-influencer, I kind of put it in its own series because I like to lift the hood, if you will, and talk about the business of influencing with people of, of varying sizes in terms of following um, numbers-wise, but with incredibly high engagement. I think there's this really interesting world of influencers with under 100,000 followers. It's the definition of a micro, which includes me. Um, how you can have your own community in world and this level of engagement that I think is incomparable to the, the larger uh, influencers. And I just, I don't know, I want to celebrate these women. I don't want them to get overlooked in favor of the same people we hear from all the time. I think that the amount of work you have to put in to get started, to start getting brand deals, to um, both develop and kind of sustain your persona so people feel like they know you because you want to engage with your community. Um, in addition to the consistency you have to have to be able to do that, like people love to trivialize Instagram activity as just you sharing your day, but it actually is work and it's a concentrated effort. A lot of people, um, undergo to do what I think is one of the great things about the internet that we're too quick to dismiss, which is, uh, educate, uh, you know, provide community, uplift other people, um, share not for the sake of showing off, but for, you know, wanting to help people feel less alone, uh, wanting people to laugh, wanting people to learn something, whatever it is. I, I just, I, I love people who have a purpose. I love people who are so, um, authentic and real, but also find and carve out a unique angle for themselves. And overall, I just, I don't know. I love a workfluencer, a person with a full-time job outside of Instagram or whatever medium they're on, who just does it for for fun and side income. But like, I think that's the thing with influencers is I can tell when people stop having fun. And I think there's something about it not being your full-time gig that allows it to have a uh, levity 
that becomes difficult when it's all about monetizing, right? So today I'm so excited to have on Ailsa Emmel, also known as Happy Go Curly on Instagram. And she has, I think she's been doing this since 2018 or so. She kind of started as a fashion account and wanting to, you know, use her closet basically. And there, that was that time with like styling prompts and people were doing challenges where you use what you could out of your wardrobe for a certain amount of time. And she kind of evolved uh, when she started doing something called Women's Health Wednesday, which I love and I think is such a great idea. She is a certified uh, nurse midwife for her full-time job. And I've heard her talk about before how she is exposed to a lot of you know, women's insecurities kind of being the one who pulls back the curtain in at the doctor's office, right? In a somewhat vulnerable position. And what I've all, the general energy I've always gotten from her account is her wanting people to feel accepted and understood and not compare themselves to other people, which, you know, I'm here for. Um, but beyond that, the health education piece, I think is really interesting with Women's Health Wednesday because, well, you know, in a superficial sense, I kind of, what I look for in an influencer, when I said earlier, like an angle, I love the angle of health, women's health, obviously, but more importantly, like I just want people to be people and I want them to exist and interesting, dynamic, wonderful people. Uh, if you're comfortable sharing on the internet, like who you are shines in every facet that you shine in, you don't, it doesn't need to make sense that you love fashion, but you're also a certified nurse midwife. Share both. We're here for it. She is so authentic. I think the, it's, it feels more like you're following a friend with a specific expertise than it does somebody who's like lecturing you. And she talks a lot about uh, vaginal health, for example. And I'm always trying to fill in my bl blind spots. You guys know I'm not like, you know, super involved on the health scene. In fact, I, as I tell her and as I tear up several times during this conversation, because uh, I have severe white coat syndrome and never go to doctors. <laughs> uh, and I, as she's talking, I'm just, I just am like kind of realizing, wow, I maybe, it maybe never computed that I'm so sensitive. I, I need a level of bedside manner and you're making me feel so calm and soothed that like a lot of my hangups about things that would require me to go to doctors more, uh, you know, like maybe it's not what it's about, what it's about, but we don't need to get into my issues today. <laughs> um, but uh, on Women's Health Wednesday, she talks about all sorts of topics related to women's health from, you know, uh, you know, giving birth and, and parenting and breastfeeding, labor, menopause, dryness. I mean, you name it. Um, she talks about women's health in a very frank manner and topics that, you know, the way I was taught about women's bodies are largely taboo. And I still am deconstructing a level of discomfort that I, I welcome and so appreciate people that speak about things uh, so frankly and honestly and openly, um, but also not condescendingly. Uh, and I just think she truly has a gift with people, period. And how lucky are we that we're an extension of that gift when a human being is only scalable in their immediate life. Social media gives us access to a small piece of them on a much larger scale that we can learn from, appreciate, and who can bring a little bit more warmth to our days. I'm a huge fan of hers. I really enjoyed this conversation. I apologize. I tried to edit out a lot of the sniffles and we do have some audio issues toward the end, especially. 
Um, but you know, that's remote. This is why before COVID, I, I, I literally would fly to anybody to record in person because I like to connect and I, I care about the audio quality, but we're not in that world, obviously. So I appreciate your patience. Um, but I think for the most part, it should be good. Uh, yeah, I think there's a few points where, well, I don't know if I had a cold. This was a few weeks ago, or if I was like emotional, uh, yeah, decide for yourself. Um, but I just, I felt so like at ease talking to her and I just, I, I really love her so much. And I hope you guys do too. Uh, we talk about her background, how she got where she is, started her account, the upsides and downsides of Instagram. Uh, but we also talk about the perception of parenting on social media, uh, how we, I learned like family life and about labor quite abruptly in middle school. And I think it's a source of like trauma for me, the childless millennial of it all. We talk about all sorts of things. So I hope you like it as much as I do. Um, while I'm here, I just, I mean, guys, the, the Asian hate crimes that are going on, the shooting this week in Atlanta, I honestly am embarrassed to say until the past couple of weeks, I didn't really understand the data behind this. Um, and <clears throat> like, for example, Stop AAPI Hate, uh, which is an organization that tracks discrimination against Asian and Pacific Island Americans. Uh, in the past year since the coronavirus pandemic has received more than well over 3,000 firsthand accounts of anti-Asian American uh, harassment or attacks and that's compared to around 100 incidents annually in previous years, I think. And keep in mind, that's just what is reported, right? So much of this goes unreported. And I'm sure there are countless other ways Asian Americans have felt attacked, uh, you know, microaggressions, uh, ways businesses, employment, general culture of every day has been impacted since the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. I, I, I don't know. I just... I just wanted to say, I see you, I support you. I always want to use words like uncomprehensible because this, the, the discrimination and these hate crimes are, are horrendous. They disgust me. And I always have to stop myself when I say unimaginable or incomprehensible because, uh, I, I never want my, uh, perspective on the outside to dilute the very, uh, true reality of, of many people and many feelings and experiences that likely have been internalized um, way too many times. And um, I just, I don't know, I hope you're taking care of yourself. I, I uh, want people to always watch out for their mental health. And I know I don't understand your experience, but um, I certainly honor it. And uh, whatever, I know these kind of events really drudge up a lot of different feelings and traumas and, and, and you know, internalized uh, experiences that you kind of go back through whether you want to or not. Um, and I just encourage everybody to keep, a, you know, close tabs on their friends and on their own mental health uh, because we're, we're in tough times as it is. And it breaks my heart, like, hearing stories and experiences about feeling discriminated against throughout the pandemic and it's like the few times we even were able to leave or go outside and get some fresh air for people to feel like they weren't safe or their parents and loved ones weren't safe and it's worth noting too that um there was a stat i read on stop aapi hate that um that there are 2.3 times more incidents of, of hate crimes against aapi women than men and i know there's 
been a lot of conversation surrounding people pegging what happened in Atlanta as um, sexism or like, God forbid, I mean, don't even get me started on the bad day of it all. Um, and people just, people love to find a reason to dismiss the reality and existence of racism uh, when that dismissal in and of itself shows the problem of it existing because why does it make you so uncomfortable? And I think that I've been trying to think a lot more about intersectionality and how sometimes you want to compartmentalize, uh, you know, feminist issues, sexism um, and racism as different issues. But the overlap is immense. And oftentimes people like me, white women who are feminists, uh, are only really aware of and passionate about issues that directly affect them, right? And that is not what I want to do here. I, if anything, want to represent my listeners' interests more than just my own. And uh, I think that, I don't know, I guess I just encourage anybody to um, understand more about how these different problems in our society, these different systems are almost flying buttresses in a sense that hold each other up um, and overlap way more than you think they would. There's a weird reference to French architecture. <laughs> sorry. Um, and anyways, I'm sorry. I, I, I always am trying to find like the right words, but I guess I don't know if that's as important as just, I want to say, uh, I'm thinking about any and all of my listeners who are Asian American, Pacific Islander, uh, you know, I'm going to be a pain in the ass about uh, mental health. Uh, just a heads up, if, if anybody's looking for um, therapy or somebody to talk to in professional counseling, um, you can go to the APISAA therapist directory. It's the Asian Mental Health Collective, and they have a directory of Asian Pacific Islander and South Asian American therapists specifically in all 50 states. I'll put it in the show notes too. That URL is asianmhc.org slash A-P-I-S-A-A, asianmhc.org slash A-P-I-S-A-A, but also will be in the show notes. And a couple Instagram accounts I think are worth following, um, at Asians for Mental Health. Uh, it's run by a clinical psychologist, Jenny Wang, and um, there's also at Asian Mental Health Project, and it provides uh, resources to educate about mental health and encourages people to check in and seek help and provides a safe space and uh, a love you know, well, th these are not replacements for therapy. Um, I appreciate people who work so hard to provide online safe spaces for members of their community and educational resources for those outside of the community to provide more support to loved ones. I don't know. I'm just uh, musing. I, I, I try to be uh, talk about what I'm learning and allyship uh, just... I don't know. I, I never want to be condescending or preachy when I'm the farthest thing from perfect at it. Rather, I just want to share what I'm learning over time. And I think what I've learned through um, different friends and, and influencers that I follow is like, I think what what's you know so important about so many people is they're deeply empathetic and want to be the best allies they can be. Um, but there's, I guess there's just an acknowledgement of being on the outside and not being the one affected by the issue that I'm trying to 
remember not as, as I talk about myself, not to center it on myself in a sense of uh, incessantly reaching out and asking how to help it if it's not just to help, but rather to absolve myself of some sort of guilt or um, that like panic you first feel when somebody associates a group you identify with as some doing something racially charged and you want to defend yourself. <laughs> Remember, it's not about you. And beyond that, if you're not racist, you're not racist. You have nothing to hide. You don't need to panic. You don't need to act weird about it. You don't need to deny its existence, right? And I think sometimes when we ask people how we can help it's like putting more emotional labor on the issue and asking them to identify what how we can help them but that's not helpful in and of itself I think one thing that's like so overlooked sometimes is just like you know in addition to supporting your loved ones and friends however you and they see fit is just kind of that the um almost macro issue of like say it out loud, call it what it is, call it racism, call it sexism, call it violence against women, against sex workers, against the elderly, uh, make it clear that you denounce it, that you have no tolerance for it. Like the media and, uh, you know, different sources I've, I've read from today, it's like people tiptoe around calling it what it is when the only thing that is, is that it is not your job to say something is or is not racist or sexist or you know, targeted in some sense, unless you are a member of the, you know, community that's being marginalized. Uh, This is what I was talking about last week, even with Meghan Markle to a different, you know, in a different circumstance, just like, why are people telling us, this is my experience? And we're saying, is it though? I don't know. I mean, like, come on, more of a window, less of a mirror. And uh, just, you know, as as much as we can make our loved ones feel validated and believed and trusted and safe with us. Like that's, that's what's important. So, you know, just, just, just my unsolicited two cents that I don't even know are worth anything, but um, just sending a lot of love to you guys. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Oh, wait, first, I have a really exciting advertiser. You'll want to hear this because especially if you're a fan of ALSA, you're going to want this coupon code. Actually, hold that thought because <laughs> I think we mentioned the company in the episode and maybe there's a natural segue and I'm just going to leave you in suspense because it's very exciting. So keep listening. But you know what's also really exciting is that it's now lighter outside and as more people, you know, are getting vaccinated and I hope, you know, we turn a corner at some point. I feel hopeful and it makes me want to be more creative and experiment more and not feel like I'm... It's almost like when you have the option to go outside, you're like more comfortable being in your home and in your element, you know, Um, and Skillshare, no matter what 2021 brings, you can spend it creating something meaningful with Skillshare's online classes. Time is what we make of it, so they say, and you can find inspiration on Skillshare in the moment or if you've been looking to pursue a particular craft or trade and express your creativity. They have such fun classes. Actually, I noticed that, uh, I don't know if this is new, but I just noticed it this month is they have one called Podcasting Secrets, how to start your own podcast. And like, honestly, I should probably take it and redo all of this. Uh, But they have a lot of interesting creative writing, illustration, photography, um, classes. If you want to learn the fundamentals of a DSLR, I really thought I was a DSLR champ back in the early 2010s when blogs were happening. Uh, but also more important things like activism, creating inspiring art for change or video for Instagram, tell an engaging story in less than a minute. My God, I can't tell an engaging story in less than two hours. (laughs) I just, I, I, I love the accessibility 
of educational content and how you can take classes at your leisure in a time that works for you and pursue something on the side that doesn't need to be for commerce, but just for joy. I think Skillshare is such a cool company. I use it all the time and and it's affordable compared to like in-person classes, which we can't really do still and, and online workshops, you know, the coaching seminars of it all. An annual subscription is less than um, $10 a month. So if you want to explore your creativity, go to Skillshare.com slash be there in five and get a free trial of premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash be there in five. Again, Skillshare.com slash be there in five for a free trial of a premium membership. Okay, well, we're here. Hope you don't mind. Got to make a living. I uh, recently uh, made a switch in my vitamin routine, uh, my ritual, if you will. Uh, I this is, I don't mean to start the rumor mill, but sometimes I'm in a good mood and I'm like, maybe I wouldn't be that bad of a parent. And then I used my own code to buy uh, ritual uh, prenatal vitamins. <laughs> but in general, I know a lot of women that take them whether or not you're planning for kids. And I just thought, hey, maybe I'll get the old oven in good shape. Um, sorry, this is weird. <laughs> but we do deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. So uh, what I like is the story of, of it being started because um, the creator was finding all these like synthetic additives and prenatal vitamins when she was starting a family, and uh, you won't find any sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers or artificial colorants in ritual because she wanted to create the things she was missing in the marketplace and like the i've only had the mint ones up until this point but the uh, prenatal of this amazing like citrus fresh taste and it's a delayed release capsule and i don't know i don't get sick off of them i am a huge huge fan i've been taking them probably for a year now but just made the switch this past month so i will keep you posted but yeah, just, it fills gaps in, in my vitamin intake, especially with vitamin D3, and, and it's only two pills a day. And as I've talked about before, they're made traceable. You know what you're taking, where they come from. They have a visible supply chain, and they're, it, they have uh, different types available for women, men, and teens in different life phases. And your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping, always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subs- subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. So get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering Be There in 5 listeners 10% off during their first three months. Visit ritual.com slash be there in 5 to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash be there in 5 to start your ritual today. Did I just sell myself out that I totally used my own code and bought another subscription with 10% off? Whoops. <laughs> Okay, guys, I am so excited today to have one of my favorite follows on the podcast for an Under the Micro Influencer segment. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Ailsa Emil, otherwise known as at Happy Go Curly. Hi, guys. I'm like so excited to be here. <laughs> I wish you could see my face because you'd be like, oh my gosh, she really is so excited. <laughs> I'm honest, I'm honored like that because... When people that are my favorite to follow actually listen to the podcast or pay attention to anything I do, I'm so honored. So thank you for your enthusiasm. Oh, my goodness. When I listen to the podcast, I probably like have to slow it down because you know how fast you talk. And I'm like, <laughs> she's so brilliant. And her words. And I'm just like, you know, I've always told you, I'm like, you have such a great command of the English vocabulary that it's so impressive to me. So I'm the one that's truly honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, how did remind me of how you found the podcast? Or is our connection what Kate finds? Yep, you know it. Oh, Katie. 
you know, I was just getting started into like the podcast world. And I was like, is this really like worth it? Because I remember growing up in New York and so I grew up in the Bronx. And it was like my grandfather would always listen to like NPR news. So I was like, is that what this is? You know, or or 1010 wins on the <laughs> and we'd sit in the car. And so I was like, is that what like a podcast is? I was like, I don't know if I have time for that. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like little envelopes opening up in my head, like, oh, I've got room for that. I've got room. I want to know about that. And so it was just <laughs> that's literally how I could describe it, how I felt. And I was like, I really like this podcast world, you know. And now I'm just like, okay, there's just too many. I have to narrow it down, you know. So that's oh, how I found I, it. <laughs> no, truly, I uh, growing up, like talk radio was like almost an inside joke with my dad because I hated that he listened to talk radio instead of music. And it's funny to have found myself here because I find myself unable to listen to music because I'd rather be learning something. Me too. Like, you know, I, I like to hear people chat, but you are like, you were the fa one of the favorite followers of so many people. I know Courtney um, and I were talking about you the other night. And she said it perfectly. She was like, looking at her stories is like a warm hug. And I was like, that's exactly oh, what it is. You are so, so sweet. You're informative and helpful, but also very earnest and warm. And like mm -hmm. you, the way you approach Instagram isn't even, it, it could be if it wanted to be, but it's not, it doesn't feel self-promotional. It, it, it doesn't feel mm -hmm. in vain. You genuinely seem to be sharing and connecting in a way that I just don't think many people genuinely do. And I'd love to hear more about, well, mm -hmm. your A, your background, I know it's kind of a tall order, so talk for as long as you need to about like mm -hmm. your background, your career, and how you got started uh, sharing on the internet. Well, thank you for that. It's it's always nice when we're eulogized while we're alive, right? Like, it's just, that's beautiful. I, I truly am like so thankful <laughs> when I, to hear kind things about myself, I'm like, wow, is that really what I'm doing? But I definitely like my space to be where, for those people that can sometimes feel ostracized from the cool girl group or, you know, like I always, I hated that. I, I hate that in the real world. I hate that as a woman um, that we often see that. So I, I'm just like, just come as you are, like, however you are, as long as you're kind, you're welcome here. That's all I want. And that's, that's kind of how I try to um, run my Instagram. And just to remind people, like at the essence of all of this, like, sure, things are nice, um, but material is, is just shit. Sorry if I'm not allowed to curse, but like that's just <laughs> sure, you know, like those things can make you happy, but those things are fleeting. But really, what truly makes you happy are the encounters you have with others. And I know that sounds so trite, but it is the thing that that stays with us, right? So, you know, you asked me how I started on Instagram. I started like years ago with just a private account. And that was back when they did like style challenges. And it was like you found your prompt for Sunday and you were like getting ready all for the week and you would you would actually like use your clothes. And it really made me realize, like I was only using like a, a small portion of my closet when I was getting dressed. So that was so much fun, but never about like turning into a, an influencer. And I know how you right. felt about that word as well. Um, and I was thinking about that and I was like, influencer, do I really consider myself an influencer? And I realized that it almost has like a negative connotation to it. Um, but to me, I would say I'm more of like, an educator, uh, a cheerleader, um, or like you even said, like like just a friend. So I'm gonna tell my friends on Instagram exactly what I would tell my friends that I see in real life, you know? And they often call me and they're like, wait, do you, do you really like that? And I'm like, didn't I just say that on my Instagram? Like, I'm not gonna lie, that's exactly how it is. And they're like, oh. So it is funny to see how my real friends 
um, relate even to um, my Instagram world. But so that's how I started was with the style challenges. And then oops, a couple of years ago, um, we moved, uh, we were in North Carolina, which we're actually moving back this summer. And then it kind of started, I was not even at 10,000 followers yet. And I was like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be so cool to have like a swipe up, which for what? Like it can, swipe ups can be so annoying. Um, so, <laughs> so I finally get to 10,000. We moved to Boston, which was the absolute best year of my life. How many people can truly say this year was the best year of my life? Well, yes. I feel like I found myself when we moved up to New England um, and my husband was doing, um, in, uh, what was he called? He was doing a fellowship at MIT. So he was real busy. Like he's, he's like real smart, like reading three plus books <laughs> a week, you know? And, and I'm like, we don't even like talk politics because I would just go dumb talking to him. So anyway, I would spend a lot of time. <laughs> he's a Marine, and, right? Yeah. He's a Marine <laughs> and just probably one of the most, he's just such a humble guy. Like he's very dry, very dry. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll have to tell you a story about that later, how people kind of receive them on Instagram. But so I just started kind of exploring and I met a lot of ladies in Boston and it was just fun. And the idea of like living in Boston, I could go to, you know, Connecticut. And so I really linked up and I think that's where I, I ended up kind of finding my community. Um, and then things started kind of growing a little more, but it wasn't really until last year, I guess like the last year and a half that I really became kind of an influencer. I had one of my old patients or a friend of an old of mine, she messaged me. She was like, I really think you should do like a women's health Wednesday. I was like, oh my gosh, girl, I don't have enough to talk about. Like there's not going to be enough topics. And she was like, I really think you should consider it. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, I can't. And then that's how women's health Wednesday came to be. And it was like, people were showing up and I was like, wait, people are really listening to you. And then I, I started to get, I get a little nervous. No, I get really nervous. Like, a couple of days before Women's Health Wednesday, because you start thinking about all the people that are listening. And, you know, you, you mm -hmm. I know the stuff that I can talk about when I'm with a patient one-on-one, -on -one, but you want to make sure that the stuff you talk about when you have all these people that it's the real deal and you're quoting facts and you're not, you know, misinterpreting um, things. So that's how Women's Health Wednesday came to be. And even if I wanted to get rid of it, I can't because people genuinely love it. Um, <laughs> the messages I receive, I'm like, wait, wait, you got that from that? You know, like just telling people that you deserve to use your voice. Um, sorry, Kate, I'm just taking over your podcast. See, like, I'm just, like, I want you to, I'm, I, I, I'm here for it. I'm enamored. Please, please I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so, um, you know, I've had like women that say to me, I, I didn't know like that, that, that I mattered when it came even to healthcare, like, you know, growing up, it was like, and you're probably too young to remember this, but like the doctor would walk in the room, my mom, they had the mentality, like you stood up. Like there was a sort of reverence mm. when the, when a doctor or, you know, came into the room, there isn't that anymore. Trust me. They barely get off the freaking phone when you walk in, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in case your, your listeners don't know, I'm a, I'm a midwife. I'm a CNM, not a lay midwife. I'm a midwife. I, I do deliveries in a hospital and I see patients in an office. And literally, like, I'll walk into a room. My husband hates when I say literally, so sorry about that. Uh, but I'll walk <laughs> into a room, and they'll have their phone. And I'm like, you going to get off the phone, girl? Because we're here to talk. I'm going to need you to get off your phone. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. So it, it is very interesting. But, you know, I see so many, well, not patients, but, like, followers that message, and they're just like, I didn't know that I, I had that right. I'm like, girl, why are you going to that doctor? 
if you don't like that doctor and it's, he's not listening to you or provider, fire them. And they're like, oh. and just this week, I've got like two messages. Like, you were so right. I switched. And I was like, and they're like, it felt so good. And I was like, everyone deserves to be heard when they go in mm -hmm. to see their provider. Like, but where, where did we miss that, that people don't think that they have that right? I think growing up, that's how healthcare was. I will tell you that is no longer the case because people are starting to get hip and realize like, oh, we, I can fire you. And it's not a bad thing. When I say fire, it sounds so negative, but perhaps just like in choosing a therapist, it has to be someone that can relate to you, you know? Yeah, someone you're the that, client. Right. Someone that listens to you. And you know what? Every patient is not going to like you. I know every patient. No, no, every patient likes me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> still need to develop. <laughs> <laughs> you, you still need that relationship. Um, with them. And, and it's just like, it's just, it comes down to our same interaction just with people, right? You know, um, I would often say growing up that my biggest, worst flaw was how I am with people. Like, I'm your biggest cheerleader and I'll love you so hard, but I'm also always looking for that one thing in that person that makes them amazing. With women's health, um, Wednesday. I, that's like one of my favorite things that you do. And mm -hmm. it, it's kind of an interesting thing when you think about it, because social media is an approachable medium where people learn and share a lot. But a lot of traditional health providers aren't going to take the time to develop a following on social media. And it's such yeah. an approachable way to hear from somebody that's not your healthcare provider. And I've mm -hmm. learned so much listening to you that I wouldn't think to ask, or I'd be too nervous to ask. Personally, yeah. I'm a person with really bad white coat syndrome. Like I, yeah. I avoid going to talk. Like, I just, I always think I'm going to die. Like I avoid sure. talking sure. about things. Like right. I have a lot of health related anxieties. And I think you providing a safe space for that in social media is a really interesting uh, space to carve out because it's just not what most people are talking about on there, but you do it in a way that's not intimidating. Oh, good. I, I'm glad. It's interesting. It, it I've, I'm learning. And I think that as long as I'm learning, then I'm going to continue to do it. But I'm learning. It helps me as, as far as dealing even with my own patients and, and to remember when I'm getting these messages from people and like, I'm just like, how, did, did you not know that? How did you not know that? Like, why are you washing with Summer's Eve? Why are you douching? Girl, what are you doing? You know, so I ha it takes me back and I'm like, oh, this is definitely something that we need to talk about. And sometimes when I'm stuck, I mean, sometimes people want to go like very deep subjects. And I think that I, I would prefer to stay very basic. I don't talk as much about labor and pregnancy because I don't know. I probably should, but I don't. I, I want to appeal to women across all spectrums of their life. And mm -hmm. so if it's something that I'm seeing a lot of, like when I do go to clinic, then that's something that I'm like, okay, I probably should talk about that on my women's health Wednesday or, you know, at work, people at work, I'll say, Hey, what do you think is a good topic? And, and they'll bring some up. And some of them, I'm like, that's so silly. And they're like, but Elsa, this is what we see. Like, this is one of the most common questions. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. So that's kind of how that's helped me um, form and develop the Women's Health Wednesday. And, and again, I've gotten women that are like, I went to a doctor, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, thank you for that. And I'm going, no way, girl, you can't give me credit for that. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. just, <laughs> it, it blows me away. And, and even women that are having like, you know, painful intercourse. And I'm like, what? That takes away the whole point of it, girl. You're supposed to be having fun, you know? So, yeah. It, so it, it, no, it, the, <laughs> That I, I think that's a really interesting point of um, 
you don't like you don't know what other people don't know and and in your like profession things that are common knowledge it's hard to separate and realize that's not the case for other people but I've kind of learned through my podcast of I as I've explored elements of like purity culture or with like childless millennial and I crowdsource and hear from so many people I'm like fascinated by the the vast array of women's experiences and how internalized they all are uh, because things get stigmatized or made to be taboo and when we don't talk about them we don't know our experience isn't normal or we should be having fun or we shouldn't be shopping in the vagisil aisle yeah. or whatever it is and the more people stay quiet about these things people don't know how to improve uh their life and uh, yeah i just think it's really interesting how different people's experiences are and what you consider normal and i'm still like it, deep in my 30s learning i'm doing <laughs> like how little I know. I know about like how my own body works <laughs> right right i mean that's absolutely true like i see i almost want to stand at the aisle at target and be like no girl don't do it <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it, girl. It's not worth it. You know what I mean? I don't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, don't you don't need that. But I I do when I hear it. And again, I even got one this this week and she was like, my vaginal health like is so much better because of you. And I was like, girl, as much as possible, let the labia breathe. Let the lips breathe, you know? <laughs> you know? It being so. like a self-cleaning oven, I think is one of the Maybe the most fascinating thing. It's like, it cleans itself. You're good. I know, I know, but we don't say it enough, you know? And then women come in and they're so embarrassed. Like maybe it is, a lot of it is cultural. Like they don't want to talk about, oh, I'm having sex. You're a woman, you're an adult. You're having sex. I want you to be safe. Let me show you what you can do to be safe. Um, I mean, I'm sure your your listeners are pretty open, but like I worked for Planned Parenthood several times um, in my life and you talk about, you want to learn about and be humbled, go work at a Planned Parenthood. Go mm -hmm. volunteer at a Planned Parenthood. It will open your freaking eyes. It's like, I consider myself very open and I went there and I was like, I know shit about this world. Like, I know nothing about suffering. I, well, I do know about suffering, but to actually sit there and hold a woman's hand, which everyone thinks all they do are terminations, right. and that's not true. It's so much teaching. I just... I taught so many young girls because their moms, they were too afraid to talk to their mom. You know, that's what it was mm -hmm. all about. And I was like, how do we penetrate where we can actually teach women so that they are comfortable with their bodies so that they don't feel exposed and vulnerable and make silly mistakes, right? Right. And I think that not talking about it in some like some thought processes, especially in more conservative areas or church-driven mm -hmm. education is like, the less you talk about it, theoretically, you won't know about things and it'll promote abstinence and people won't be promiscuous. And I just feel like there's this really misguided thought process of like, the less we talk about it and breathe life into it, the less people will get involved. But it right. actually is like such a miseducation and then leads people to detrimental decision-making because they just don't know what they don't know. And like mm -hmm. the importance of being open and frank about everything and letting people make a decision based off of that than based off of no information is something right. I feel so strongly about having no information uh, right. from like my like health education growing up. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. And I, I think about it and I chew on it a lot. I mean, I have two young girls, right? I have twin girls that are 22, which I still look at them and I'm like, I can't, I can't believe you guys are my kids. Like it, it just blows me away. But still here I talk about sex education and you know who actually did the sex education and the body changes talk was my husband. He was like, this is really going to, yeah, it was so weird. Like, but for <laughs> me, I think it's because it was like cultural, right? Like mm -hmm. 
in our culture, it was like this. When I went out into the world, they were like, just don't come home pregnant. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, like that was a package you were supposed to like not come home with or something. Uh, yeah, you know right. what I'm saying? So like, it was just really interesting. And, you know, my husband, his culture was so different. He was like, no, like we would sit at the table and he'd say, what'd you hear at school today? And this is middle school. And like, let me just tell you, middle school is raw, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I, this one time it was an awful topic and I would just sit there and I'd be like cracking my knuckles and sweating profusely. And one of them was like, dad, what's a blow job? And I was like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I died, you know, and I died. And he was like, you know, the way he handled it, cause he's so like in the moment. And I, and I was like, I, I would have been like, oh my God. Oh my. And he was like, <laughs> He like looked at me like, just stay cool. And I was like, um, so, and my, my I'm like so immature. I'm like giggling. I'm like, I I, I would just like make something up. It was so bad. And my daughter was like, oh my God, why would anybody want to do that? Right. (laughs) You're like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. But it just shows like how it, it was so tough, but looking at, now, I mean, that my girls are grown and I see moms with like younger girls and I'm like, all those restrictions that I see them putting on their kids, I'm like, yeah, that's going to bite you in the ass. You might want to like start, have that open conversation with your child so that they can come to you and talk to you and, and learn from you. And we could help to destigmatize a lot of those things, you know, as far as with her body. Right. I know. It's like, I've, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast a lot, but I think about, like, I went to public school and I think about that they call it family life in middle school. And the very first day we learned about sex and oral sex, they put an overhead projector, like a huge screen up, and they showed us um, very first step, very graphic photos of STDs. Mm-hmm. Right. And compared them to different types of food, which I will never forget and have oh trouble eating God. still. And then um, showed us an inc- incredibly graphic video of a woman giving birth that to this day haunts oh, me because well, like it's th- that, that I'm, st- I'm really mad about that because yeah. I, it, it's, I'm still in my brain. I'm still upset by it. And some people can watch um, really this is like the wrong word, but I'm thinking of like a horror film, but I can't watch a gory horror film. I can't watch bloody things. Like I am not a medical person and um, some things get frozen in your brain. And if you're a sensitive person, like that scare tactic stuff really affects you in a negative way. And I'm so angry that they, without warning, felt compelled to show that to people in seventh grade in public school and and they were doing it to make you scared of it. Right, which is such, it's like the worst thing to do, which might possibly be why you also have that anxiety, the white coat syndrome as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, and childless millennial, like I just have so much anxiety about like that process as a woman of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. having a kid and and I'm very like spooked of the labor part, which is interesting that like you, Mm -hmm. that's like your vocation, you deliver babies. I love that. It's it's like truly one of the deepest fears of my life. And I don't know why, but maybe it is that video. <laughs> I think that, vi- was it the miracle of life? I think that's the one they used to show. Like the woman had the big, she had a lot of hair as well. Like, <laughs> you, just... I remember the hair, but I don't know what the title was. <laughs> it was. It's a very graphic film, which is so not even like that, you know? Um, it, it, I mean, it can be, it can be. And where I trained, I trained down in Miami because I went to University of Miami for um, midwifery school. 
um, and I know we kind of jumped ahead and I'll probably go back and, and tell you where I started it all. But when I went to midwifery school, I got to train at Jackson Hospital and um, I was the only one in my class that got to go there. And it was so incredibly enlightening. I was telling a few of the nurses I worked with this week or last week that I could, you could tell and different, the cultures, how they, when they labor and I could go by a room and based on hearing the way they labor, I knew where the woman was from. It's no beautiful. Way. It was so beautiful. Like some cultures, they click in pain. Some cultures, um, the woman is very like dramatic. You know, she's just like, oh, you know, and she's Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Ay, mi amor, mi amor. And when I talk to my husband, I say that he's like, oh, why don't you talk to me like that? Like, I love it. You know, <laughs> you know? and then like, I'm. I'm Dominican, so my family's from um, the Caribbean, and they're like Dominican women, Central. They're like, they're raw. They're like, let's just get to it. We're going to do this out, you know, like that. So it was so incredibly wonderful to learn. And it, it shows you, again, a respect, because when you go in to see a patient, when you meet someone, you should always look at, don't, I, like I said on my post, and I, I think you've seen that post where it's like, I want you to see me. I I don't want you to continue to judge me based on my color or my heritage, but I want you to see me so you can acknowledge my history and where I come from and the things that I bring to the table that are far different from you. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what I see when I come in and when I talk to women. I mean, most women, they want to come up with these birth plans. It kills me because I'm like, this is your first baby. You have no freaking idea. You're printing something off the internet and you're telling me this is what you want. That's not what I want to do. I like an Emily out. Lay planner. Like oh, this is... it's, it's awful. It's so generic. She doesn't, you know, and I'm not trying to dog these first time moms because they really just want to establish some sort of control, right? When, they're, yeah, when right. they're going to labor. So what I do is I'm like, okay, girl, let's sit down and let's talk about this. What, what is it that you're envisioning? What is it that you are feeling out of control? Let me show you the things that you can have control over and things that you don't. But if you give me your wishes, if you turn those things over to me, then I can help you to make this the best experience possible. Right? Right. So, that, you know, so that's when I, I love the idea of the whole cultural aspect and really learning and appreciating someone um, for their history and their psychosocial and all of those things when I develop a plan, when I take care of them and I think that that's what we miss a lot of in healthcare because yeah. we don't have the time to, you don't have the time. Like truly, you don't, you don't make money if you're not like in and out. There's certain visits that are 15 minutes. There's certain that are 30. I don't care, Kate. I'm like this. I don't care. It's not about money to me because truly it's not like we make a lot of money, you know, but I would rather that person leave out of there. Like I literally will I interview you and I might ask you a couple of times and I might say, are you enjoying sex? Is it painful? Are you having a hard time with it? How is how are things at home? Are you getting along with your husband? Do you feel attracted to him? And then we get to the very end and then I go, did we cover everything that you wanted to talk about? And then that's when you'll see they might go, you know, I have this going on. Because it's never just about the physical ailment they have. It's so much more. It is so mm-hmm. much more. And I don't think a lot of patients are prepared to go to the doctor to talk about those things. No. So... But if prompted in a warm way, because even you just saying those things, I I was like ready to tell you about my thoughts now. Like if somebody (laughs) spoke to me that way, I'd be so receptive. Sorry, Tugboat was being annoying. Um, And well, it's something I've been thinking about a lot too that my friend Jesse brought up on the podcast 
over the summer that honestly I was kind of blind to. And there's actually a maybe it was a TikTok that was going around last week. And I'm curious about your thoughts uh, because I think she said like it was about uh, healthcare and black women. And she said like mm-hmm. uh, cops are to black men as doctors I are to black that. women. And it that. shook me. I was like, yeah, me too. that is a really, really interesting metaphor. And and I remember Jesse talking about how, like feeling like your pain is being ignored and the treatment not being the same. And I was just curious on your thoughts and if you saw that. You know, I, people are probably going to ping me for this, but I've never worked with, and I've said this before, I've never worked with anyone that would treat someone differently based on their color, right? Like I'm very aware of that. So, but also to be said, Like for, I don't care what insurance people have. I know that a lot of times providers look at that because we can't order certain labs based on your insurance. And it's very, um, what do you call it? Like, it's very, it's it's very trapping. I can't Mm -hmm. even think of the word. You know, it really like puts us in a box as far as helping to to take care of you. Um, But I'm very protective of black females. Like I always have been, that's just my Mm -hmm. thing because, because they look like me. And so I understand where they're coming from. And I know when they are a little reserved. So I have that advantage. Um, brings me to a really, it makes me think of, I had a patient, I guess it was last month, and she had high blood pressure, right? Why do we see a lot of African-American Black women die is because they had the preeclampsia, you know, the, the proteinuria, um, a protein in the urine and the high blood pressure. And actually, there's two cases I'll tell you about. And this one, she had a high blood pressure. She delivered her baby. I think the baby was a little early. And it was like two days after the baby and she had had a C-section. So it was time for her to go home. And mm-hmm. I was looking at the doctor I work with. She, she was also black. And we were like, you know what? Let's switch out her medication and um, we'll keep her another day to make sure it comes down. So I go in to see her and she was already like anyone else. She would have bulldozed and gotten her way. She was like, no, I'm ready to go home. And I was like, okay, girl. So you're going to listen to me now. Like, let yeah, me just break yeah. this down for you because your blood pressure's up. And because your blood pressure is up and because the statistics show that three to five times you're likely to die, I need you to listen to me and I need you to stay. And she was like, okay, got it. And, and I, I walked out of there and I could feel myself shaking and I could almost get emotional. Cause I was like, oh my God, what about if she had met with someone else? And she would have been like, no, I'm ready right. to go home. Like, it's fine. Then they might've been like, okay, we'll just send you home. Um, right. So that really like shook me. And then I had another gal God, and she delivered, and I think she was already almost three weeks postpartum. And her pressures when she came in, I was like, oh, my God. And she was like, I've had a headache since I delivered. And I was like, oh, my God. And she goes, but I just figured I'll have an appointment in a couple of weeks because she didn't want to bother. She mm. didn't want to be a nuisance. And mm. so there's definitely um, different cat- or different parts to it is that um, – it's the patient. It's also the patient relationship. You know, she doesn't, she might not want to be a bother. She might not be heard. Um, she might not be saying what she's feeling. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah, mm-hmm. all of those things, like, that's why I always tell my followers, my friends on Instagram that you need to have a good relationship with your doctor, because even when I can see a patient and she's like, no, everything's fine. I've seen her enough. Or even it's my first time I'm looking at her body language and I'm really assessing her and I'm like, yeah, she's not telling me everything. There's more mm. to it than that. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm looking, I'm looking for those cues. Um, the nurses I work with at work, they're always like, we want to, they'll give me the patients they might think are difficult because I'm like, 
no one ever truly intends to go and be difficult. No one really intends to go to a doctor right. or to the provider and be an ass. Like, you don't just want to, I'm going, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like a mean person to them. No, <laughs> right. what it is, is that she might've been running late. She might've been, you don't know if her husband has been a jerk and was supposed to show up on time for her to get to her appointment. And now she's running late and she's feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm being so inconsiderate to them. Or maybe like her electricity got turned off and she just made it. And now she realized that she has this copay and things are going to be a lot more money. Like we have got to take, we have got to take that veil off and think there is so much more to taking mm. care of this woman than the physical yes. responsibility. There really is. And oh, sorry, the dog needs to go out. Um, it's never about what it's about. Like, I think so we're, it's so easy to quickly take something personally or to label a person, but like, mm -hmm. There's so much going on, especially mm -hmm. now and um, breaking down those barriers to get people to a place of candor it, it must be so important because for me, sometimes I'm so anxious to be there. I just want to get out. Right. And I'm and then and, and what I, I might be curt and rude, but I'm just like scared. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And that's a really interesting perspective. And and yeah, I feel misty hearing you tell tell those stories, like just in terms of like having some like I would feel deeply uh like cared for and moved if somebody was like in my corner and knew mm -hmm. understood me and my background and what mm -hmm. I had a propensity for and was going to bat for my health and not against a stereotype or a, you know listening to me the patient who really shouldn't be in control in that situation mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. this is I don't know this is very uh, interesting and helpful for me to hear from the perspective of a healthcare provider because I don't know I, I, I it's mm -hmm. just a realm that I'm not in and I avoid right. at all costs right. and like I well I guess I should backtrack because like I'm so curious how you even got into um how you you decided to become a midwife and what that process was so I, so I was in the Navy. I'm, I'm going to backtrack all the way back to high school. Please. And the reason why I'm going to tell you this is because it does bring in the whole race part. And we got time anyway. Um, <laughs> um, and if I ever I was, get up and move, it's just because of the dog. And please keep talking. I'm never right. bored or anything. <laughs> I'll keep talking. I'll keep talking. I can keep talking. Um, because I was in high school. And I remember um, all of my friends because um, I went to school down here in, in South Florida. I finished. We started in New York and then we moved to South Florida. And I remember being in classes and I was in honors classes and people would say, they were like, you're so smart for a black girl. And that just was so weird to me. And, and the reason why, and, and I'll build up on this, but it was so interesting to me. So here I am in honors classes, doing really well. And then we get to my senior year and people are getting letters of getting into colleges. And literally, Kate, mm -hmm. I was like, wait, Wait, you, how, how am I supposed to do that? Nobody uh. guided me. Nobody said, and I could like get emotional. Um, nobody was like, hey, you need to fill out this form and you need to take this and you need to do this. There wasn't that guidance. And so it was uh. like, I remember that feeling, seeing people getting acceptance letters and like going to UF and FSU. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. Like, oh, I'm going to make this happen. Mm. So uh, there was like all these recruiters and and I knew my parents didn't have the money to send me to college, but it was like, mm -hmm. I want this. So I, I graduated high school and I felt embarrassed and because I was like going to a community college and I wasn't doing, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, am I going to be anybody? What am I going to do with my life? So I went to the community college and I was like, I'm just, I, I'm going to join the Navy. So I joined the Navy and like, I think about a year or two in, then I got a scholarship to a prep school and then I got a, an NROTC scholarship. So I got a scholarship 
um, loved it. I loved being in the Navy. I loved that I was a Navy nurse. And that was the funny thing is that my scholarship was for nursing. So I was like, I'm going to be a nurse. <laughs> like, Did you apply okay. to that specific scholarship? I just wanted a daggone scholarship. I just wanted to go to college. <laughs> I was like, Isn't it funny how we just check a box and don't think about how it's like the rest of our lives? <laughs> that was it. And I was like, oh, wait, I don't want to do nursing. And they, I was like, I want to be a psychologist. And they're like, yeah, no, you're going to nursing school. <laughs> oh, Your scholarship was for nursing school. And I was like, okay, I'm going to nursing school. So I went, did that, um, loved it. And so then I did a few years active duty. And then I got out and I had told my husband like years ago, I was like, we were like talking. And again, I, he's probably one of the people I looked up to the most. I just find him to be so incredibly intelligent. And so here I was trying to impress him. And I was like, I'm going to be a midwife. And I was like, oh shit, why did I say that? <laughs> I was like, now I'm going to have to do it, you know, because once you say it, you got to make it happen. And so I was like, okay, I'm up. And so in one time he was like, so you're going to apply to midwifery school? I was like, I did say I was going to do that, didn't I? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and apply to midwifery school. <laughs> so, so that's how it happened. It happened by, you know, but I always, so I was a labor and delivery nurse in the Navy. I did that for seven years. I was a labor and delivery okay. nurse. And then I went into midwifery school um, at Miami and it was, it was so hard and it was so wonderful. And, and the girls were younger and it was like, mm -hmm. it was tough. It was really, yeah. really tough. Um, it was the, the only year we lived apart is him being in the military because I had a year left of school and it was tough, but it was also a blessing because my parents lived down here. So I would literally travel almost two hours to go to, to school every day. Every day. Wow. Like, and, and you, you know, in the home. traffic. No, I, we had our house like eight miles away okay. from my parents. And it's, I forget, I think the girls were like in kindergarten or something like that. And so. Oh, and you already had your kids at this point. Yeah. Yeah. For midwifery school. I've only been a midwife for 14. I guess this summer will be 15 years. Whoa. Time flies. So, um, so I would travel almost two hours, you know, with my girlfriend. And it was so, so tough to actually do that drive. And it was so much traffic. And it was just awful. And I just didn't have as much time, um, even to study, like truly my friend, Andrea, um, who's my, my best buddy in North Carolina. She's like, I would be talking to her about an exam and she's like, yeah, I put this letter and I put this letter. And I was like, yeah, based on what you're saying to me, I failed this exam because I didn't put any of that. And so I made it, I did pretty well in school. It was a wonderful experience. And, uh, I, I would never want to relive that again because it was definitely tough and with young kids, but I hopefully taught a lesson to my girls as well to like, keep, you know, if you want something bad enough in life, then you just got to keep at it. And, and I think that's what, if I could relate it to even Instagram now is that people see someone else's success, but they don't see the journey that it took them to get to that success. And, and I tell my daughter that all the time, they're just like, Oh, and I'm like, you're looking at where I'm at now, but you don't know that there was times I had $20 in a week, you know, and I was eating freaking veg all and I would never want to eat that shit again, you know, like, so it's just those rites of passage that you just go through in life, you know, now I don't agree with the rites of passage that people put on you, but the rites of passage where, you know, truly like I want something bad enough, then I'll, I'll pay that price, you know, with this struggle. So that was how I, I became a midwife and, it's, it's worked. And I, I just, I literally will walk out of a room or walk out of a delivery room. And I just, honestly, I'm like, I can't believe I got paid for that. And I'm like, I feel so blessed. And I'm not like 
ultra religious. I am spiritual. And I just say, I just like, I'm like, God, thank you so much for letting me live this out while I'm here on earth to be able to interact with women and to provide this service and to be an extension of their voice, you know, mm-hmm. and be their best friend because a lot of military spouses, I'm in the room with them and they've never met me or never seen me in a deli- in a visit. And I'll go, hi, I'm also going to be your midwife. I'm going to deliver your baby. And, and I'm your best friend, you know, Aww. and literally, and that's it. And that's how we become. And, and every delivery I do when I'm done, I'm like, thank you so much for allowing me, you know, to have this experience with you. I'm, I'm greatly humbled. I'm honored. Like, it, it's such a joy, you know, it is. <laughs> You're making me emotional. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Like, am I okay? Or... <laughs> As I was editing this back, I... <laughs> I'm like teary now. Why is she so comforting to me? I really did get emotional talking to her because I'm so scared of like all things medical and I don't know why. And I think we're about to hit a breakthrough. But anyway, I was looking for a segue because we talk about this one company at some point, but now I'm realizing it's toward the end and I need to interject because I know you'll be really excited for this, uh, you know, podcast collab happening here. So our next advertiser is none other than Olive and June. You guys are, I mean, unless you live under a rock, I assume you're familiar with their uh, Manny system. I'm not joking when I say that it was a rule when I was in college, I'm looking at you, Jasmine, uh, that I could not, I was not allowed to paint my own nails because I was so bad at it. And I went into it overconfidently because I'm artistic. This stuck with me for years. I didn't, I never painted my own nails. Uh, I just kind of wouldn't get manicures or I'd go sometimes. I don't really have the patience for nail salons, honestly, but especially when COVID hit, I don't know, it was the little things that made you feel special and polished, you know, no pun intended. And, um, I, when I first tried the Manny system, I was like, oh, there's technique. They have this thing called the poppy that stabilizes your hand as you paint. They tell you exactly how to do it and tell you how to maintain your Manny. And the polish lasts seven plus days and does not chip. And each at home, at home manicure comes out to like $2, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, I really did not think this is something I could do myself. And now it's become kind of a meditative thing where I listen back to my own audio, which is something I have to do a lot. And I always lament that I can't multitask. And it's like the perfect thing to do when I need something relaxing to do while I'm listening to something else, watching TV. I often can be seen painting my nails during PowerPoint parties. I know a ton of you already use it because I know that because we've talked about it and Ailsa is a big uh, supporter of them too. And there's a nail polish color named after her called HGC, which I love so much. I know, I know this isn't a functional compliment, but like, it's just, it's also so cute. It's so cute. It's my favorite gift to give people who I want to practice some self-care. People get so excited over it. It's this pink box and it's only five steps and it gives you everything you need. Nail clippers, a buffer, uh, nail file, their proprietary handle called the poppy that I talked about earlier. Nail polish remover, a paintbrush, cuticle serum, uh, you can pick, uh, from different polishes. It's just, it's honestly like, I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm that dude selling rotisserie chickens on as seen on TV, but like these babies sell themselves. <laughs> anyway, you guys, what's really exciting is that if you are a Be There in 5 listener and want to try out the Manny kit, you can get 20% off your first Manny system with my code BETHERE in 5, F I V E, not the number 5. And you can get 20% off your first Manny system when you use promo code BETHEREIN5 at oliveinjune.com slash BETHEREIN5, code BETHEREIN5. And that will also be in the show notes. Thank you for letting me. I love to just give a little bit more 
airtime to new advertisers so that I'm excited about. And lastly, and then we'll get back to the episode and be done with ads. You guys know I love ButcherBox. I just ate a pork chop tonight. I, we have to move, we think, and we're purging everything in our apartment. I have junk people coming tomorrow. Um, but what's great is our freezer's kind of just curated down to this really high quality meat that when we can't figure out what to eat, we always have something there because each month ButcherBox sends a box of the highest quality meat for a better price than the grocery store. It gives me, you know, less time uh, that I have to spend grocery shopping, you know, dealing with food waste or, or cooking. It, it's it's nice to just have what I need in my freezer, especially, you know, when we were amidst lockdown, fingers crossed it doesn't happen again. Um, but every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box is about 10 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. And you can customize your box or go with one of theirs. I more recently have gone with theirs just to like see what they give me. And I got lobster and I was like, what? <laughs> I was really excited. I still need to f- figure out how to prepare it. I'm too nervous to, to ruin it. I just think ButcherBox is such a no-brainer. With options like 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar nitrate-free bacon, it's the way meat should be. And I feel like the availability of this meat is just, there's such a premium on it at stores. It, the uh, abundance is not always there. And, you know, I've watched one too many food documentaries to not be a little bit spooked by the source of my food. But with, with ButcherBox, you get the highest quality meat for just around $6 a meal. And right now, ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life that's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of their subscription i love their deals they just like really hook you up so go to butcherbox.com slash be there in five that's butcherbox.com slash be there in five and get yourself some meat ground beef for life of your subscription okay back to the episode no i i I think it's it's interesting because you even like you saying you weren't totally sure or sold on nursing but kind of like Mm -hmm. finding your footing in um in the uh right like I don't know what the better word is sector of it or practice of Mm -hmm. it with delivering Mm -hmm. babies and um I'm always yeah so curious if people there's just not a lot of people that can say that they love what they do or they get great and I think a meaning and purpose is is really the hardest thing for people to find because Mm -hmm. not every job has is is materially Mm -hmm. purposeful um but something like that I think especially for something that's a fear of mine is Mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear because like it it's uh you know you you, some if you have your spouse or whoever in the room or next to you Mm -hmm. for like support sure but it's like the most vulnerable Mm-hmm. um expression and experience a woman can go through like yeah it is and, it's and very the, scary and you need in not having you know your husband's not gonna understand it oh. your partner your you know mm-hmm. the, it's like having somebody that's there and like supporting you in that way and that feels like a friend I can see being so important when otherwise you could feel like a number or you could feel like another right right you know it's and that's very, how you want to feel it is it's a very right. vulnerable experience and I would, um, when I was at University of Miami, I would teach undergrad nursing students and I would put them in a bed and I would put them in a bed with like, just like a woman, maybe, you know, there's different positions they could be in, but the most traditional is what they call the lithotomy with her legs up. And I would say like, get in that bed and, and you get in that position and you see what it feels like. It's such a vulnerable position. And I tell you, whenever I feel like I'm losing perspective or I'm thinking, I'm just like annoyed, I will do that. And I will put myself in that position again. And I say, 
I, what's it like to not feel in control, to be scared, to be, to be frightened. And that is what keeps me focused to want to do better, to be better for that patient. But I've also, I've worked with some amazing, like right now, my boss, like people, I travel once a month to where I work. And my boss, who's actually one of my closest friends, we worked together for five years before, her bedside manner, the way she treats and talks to people, it just, it blows me away. So right now with masks, we both have curly hair. I'm often so touched because patients might think we're the same, even though I'm like a little darker than her. I, every time they say, oh my God, I thought you were Dr. Santo. And I'm like, I take that as such an honor, like a badge of honor, because she treats people how she would want to be treated and how she would want her mother or her sister treated. Mm. And, and yeah. doctors that practice that way, that's who I choose to work with. I don't want to work with someone who doesn't value or cherish that. Yeah. So, so no, I've absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've and that. I am very fat. Well, this is kind of a random story, but like mm-hmm. a few years ago, I was at a cooking class and I met this woman who had this, I forget. It was a, it was like a horrible aftermath of what I think was placenta previa. Mm-hmm. And she, she flatlined for like 39 wow. something actually died. And then um, there was, anyways, it's this really long story. She wrote a book about it and she actually was on a Netflix show about it. Um, but we were talking oh. and she was like, I flatlined um, and was in the hospital for like months. And I don't remember a lot of it, but um, when I, and I don't know how I feel about all this, but it's like, I try to believe people when they tell me things. And I mm-hmm. thought this was really interesting and moving. She, so she was having these like anxious, like crazy premonitions. Like she was seeing like fountains of blood when she was pregnant and she was seeing, like having all these crazy um, thoughts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. There was one nurse who like, was like, I believe you. I believe your anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I trust your instincts and that you're scared and we will have backup if it makes you feel calm, blah, blah, blah. They had like a, basically a, a crash cart that saved her life. Mm-hmm. that this one person brought like made possible because uh she was having such anxiety and because she was high risk and um anyway she to kind of process and get through the trauma she did like a uh, uh like regressive therapy with hypnosis mm-hmm. and is on camera um regressing through uh when she flatlined and like was unconscious and described in great detail um where everyone in the room was what they said what they did etc and then they uh compared it back with doctors at northwestern who were in the room and her account was a hundred percent accurate of what everyone was doing what everyone said and did and they compared it to records and the nurses and doctors like uh, have talked about it publicly and it's always made me think about bedside manner because her subconscious picked up everything that was happening even when she wasn't fully there and I was like that's a that's a really interesting thought of like even during surgery when your patients aren't aware of what's going on much less when they are aware how you treat people their brain is absorbing it in some way and we don't know a lot about the brain and that's like a very unmedical high level explanation but it was one of the most compelling conversations of my entire life and I never forgot it but it reminds you too of you know how we treat people right it kind of brings me to that old saying, like I would tell my daughters, like, will you do the right thing when no one's watching? Like, if mm-hmm. you ask me what's the thing that's guided me with raising them is that, will you do the right thing? 
Like, yeah, when nobody's watching you, are, are you saying kind things? Are you being a kind person? But that, um, when you talk about the anxiety, like, yes, you have some women that are anxious, but also for me culturally, um, when somebody tells me like, I have a feeling we like our spidey hairs go up on our neck. Cause we're like, mm -hmm. Oh shit. Like there's some patience and it, and it happens. And you're like, Oh my God, this woman said this, like it freaks you out. You're like, please don't say that again <laughs> because I, I, I kind of do believe a little bit. So I'm like, you're saying that story. And I was like, Oh my God, I would have like shit my pants. <laughs> yeah. That would be scary. But I, I think you're right. I think there's a difference between general anxiety and, and overcome overwhelming yeah. intuition. Yeah. And, and I think there's something abstract there to like your body signaling your mind things yeah, that I agree you might not know what's going on. And I just, I kind of just love the idea that somebody was like, you're not crazy. It's okay. Right. Cause mm -hmm. when you're doing that, everybody, you know, might make you feel crazy, but, um, Oh, her book's called 37 seconds. If anybody wants to read it, I'm it's gonna, pretty I'm interesting. Read that. Yeah. I'm look that one up. Perfect. Um, you so, know, there was something, I'm going to guide you for a second because please. there was something that you, um, I don't know if you had talked about an Instagram stories or one of the, somewhere I got this from you. It was also like when people were talking about when you ask a woman, like, is she going to have any kids? Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was maybe on one of the podcasts you talked about that. And then, and it just like really like, it stuck with me, um, you know, because that is a common thing. People are always asking that. And I, I genuinely know people don't mean it from a bad place. And I'm not saying right. you, I'm not asking you. I'm just saying in general to any, yeah. any person um, some of the things it's like, are you going to have any kids? You don't know how many miscarriages she might've gone through. You don't know what her, and I think people just do it like as a way of like, just having a simple conversation, like, right. They mean well, and, right. We need to find some other like opening, opening <laughs> lines. Like that is yeah. just not one of them. And then the other one was, I know what it was that you talked about, about not like that instant bond when I had, so I had my twins, uh -huh. um, and I did have them vaginally. So, I mean, that's a huge plug. I'm just saying like, that's my medal. I have two medals to prove for that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I just have the war. I just have the she war wound on my abdomen. For it, you know? I saw the video. You deserve medals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, but my thing was, is that I did not immediately bond with these two creatures. Like mm -hmm. you deliver them and the nurse, you know, people want this baby and it goes against everything that like my profession is supposed to be right. Like this. Yeah. Right. Oh, natural, non-conventional. And I was like, ew, can you wash them off? Like, I thought it was so freaking gross. It felt like a wet dog on me. I did not <laughs> like it. It was so nasty to me. And they just like, I could still see those nurses look like they looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with this girl? Like, I was like, Oh my God. Like, Ew, 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 I don't slimy. like slimy. <laughs> <laughs> it was slimy. There was no, and then I was just kind of like, okay, like what do I do next? And then I remember like, I hadn't even thought about it. Like women plan everything out. I hadn't even thought about it. I was like, oh, am I going to breastfeed? Like I was just trying to have a health, you know, two healthy babies. Right. Right. I was just trying to finish, you know, I was still like in nursing school in my third year. So it was like, it was, this was some that's rush. A, that's stuff. a lot. And On twins, I'm sure you weren't expecting yeah. two. That's a whole other thing. No, when I found out I was pregnant, I looked at my friend and I was like, I'm having twins. And she was like, just because you think you're in nursing school, you know everything. And I was like, no, I'm going to have twins. And sure enough, seven weeks, I found out I was having twins. Um, but yeah, it was just, it, it, it was like, I don't know. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And so I, I guess what I really kind of wanted to address was 
to those women, and I probably should talk about it a little more on my Instagram, is how some women don't instantly feel that bond. I, I hate that we have so many of these books that like, they, you know, they depict this perfect, oh, breastfeeding. It's so wonderful. Honey, your freaking nipples are going to feel like they're shaved. They're going to be like, I didn't know they were like crumbling. I was fighting them in my bra. I was like, this is so disgusting. No one ever told me that my nipples would look like a freaking raisin and they would be pieces of it. Like, just, it was like disintegrating, right? And, they, and I was like, and then I remember the, they had told me, so whatever you do, don't put a mirror down there. And I was like, terrified. Like I had like Star Wars in my vagina or something. Like it was like the big dark hole or something. <laughs> and I was like, I'm we really scared. need to, we got to talk about this more often. You know, I remember holding them and I was like, I feel nothing. Awesome. Like I was literally like waiting, like, when is that magical moment going to happen? And I was like, cool. Yeah. Didn't, and I didn't feel it. And so I'll tell that to my patients. I'm like, look, it is, everybody makes this out to be so wonderful. I'm here to tell you, your body's going to feel like crap. My friend came to see me 12 hours after I had the twins. And I, you know, I had such a big belly. I had those big underwear that they wrap over your belly. And you might not know what those <laughs> are, but they are, they are like the most hideous things, but they're so comfortable. Right. And she came and she was like, girl, I thought you were going to lose that belly after having the twins. 12 hours after I had them. And I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. And I was like, I don't know what happened. Like, I still didn't even know. Me, I didn't even know. I was like, I don't know. I don't know why I still have this. It was so gross. It was like jiggling, baby. Go ahead, baby. Jiggling. <laughs> was- I, that's like one of my pet peeves when people show their postpartum body and and they act like they're being so brave and like it just doesn't look I I I just I it's like on the one hand if people find that relatable it's great but if somebody doesn't look like you and you're like oh I look crazy and like but to me you look good and they're I don't know how I feel about all that because I think it's important to share but I don't think people that really suffer from some of the harder deliveries and harder postpartum phases are always posting Right. Yeah, they're not. I don't think you'd want to. It isn't. I kind of still look at them and it's funny. Like I have to watch myself when I see all those, like the pregnancy posts. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want a freaking weekly picture now. You know, I always like cringe when- the size of of a size of an eggplant. (laughs) Size of an avocado. And I'm like, no shit, girl. I already know that. You know, I'm like flipping through and I, and I'm like, but I am, I'm like happy for them. I'm happy for them, but I don't want to go through the stage. I'm just like, okay, we're good. All right. We're good. You know? (laughs) So you always wonder like, are we going to turn now? Is this going to be a pregnancy blog? You know, but it's okay. Like enjoy your time. But I guess to me, I always feel for, again, I'm the person who's for the underdog, right. For the woman who's having a hard time getting pregnant or the woman who, you know, with infertility or miscarriage. So I'm always like, I kind of cringe for those women because I know what it's like to pull the curtain back. You know, I I see these women when they, even when they do have a baby and everyone's like, you know, you'll look at her and she's like, looks so like, this is magical. And then I pull the curtain back and she's sound asleep or she's like drooling and she's like crying. This is so hard. And I'm like, it is girl. Yeah. (laughs) And like, that's okay to say that. It is. is. Exactly. It is. Again, like they feel this, they're supposed to like have this instant bond. And what I tell my patients is, Think of that best friend you have in your life. How long did it take you to get to know her? Mm-hmm. It's going to take a little bit to figure this little person out. Yes, you you have an, 
incredible bond because you carried it, but doesn't mean you have to know it. So you got to get to learn this little human being who's disrupting your sleep. You're tired as I don't know what. And it's like feeding. And then all these people are coming in your head and telling you all these things. And you're like, I, I don't know what to believe. I'm like, you believe what your gut is telling you. Cause your, your main number one thought is you're not going to do any harm to this baby. I promise you, you're going to be okay. That's I, it. I, it, I, I, and I know this is not the same, but like in my head, I mean, you, I mean, you've had both children and Theo, like having yeah. a puppy is cute, but it's kind of awful. It is a lot of work. <laughs> it's so, like, yeah, it takes a minute to not be really overwhelmed and like frustrated yeah. by the potty training and the yelping. And like, it's, it's a huge life adjustment. I remember being like, Oh, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, as they make it to be. It's a lot of work. It is. A, uh, he's like running now. Yeah. It's definitely, I, that's why I often grows. I'm like, wow, I could have had like having three kids, you know, he, we don't like to leave him for a long period of time during the day. Yeah. I trust. I don't, I don't really trust. There's only like really a couple people I trust with my dog. I know my dog is a little more high maintenance than most dogs. <laughs> Same. <laughs> like he is the most treasured thing I have in my life. He gives me this unconditional love. Um, and so just, I'm like, are you going to be as kind to my dog? Are you going to be as astute to his needs? And what, you know what I mean? And so like, <laughs> nobody can tend to, you know, David and I, we are those parents now. I'm like, babe, like, and my kids, they even say, they're like, you guys are so annoying with Theo. And I say to them, if you think I'm annoying with Theo, you should have seen how I was with you. Little right. Shit. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> you are the way you are because I am amazing. Right. <laughs> right, right. So it just like, yeah, it's phenomenal. I am like, you know, we often look at him and we're like, my husband said just last night, so he's like, Theo, what am I going to do when you leave? Like, and I'm like, stop talking like that. I can't imagine my life without this dog. He's the most incredible thing. Like, he just brings me so much joy. I could go on and on and just talk about Theo all day long. Well, I also love how, like, I I really have noted, I notice how people talk about um, their, their spouses. And um, I really like that you speak positively of your spouse, because I think the popular thing to do is to talk about, like, marriage is so much work. Marriage is the worst. And, like, they mm -hmm. everybody just, it's like, nags on their spouse. And, and that's fine, too. And I do that, too. Mm -hmm. And marriage is work. But, like, mm -hmm. I like when people speak positively of things that are very popular to be negative about. And I like the way you speak of David. You know, I, I promise myself, like, there's certainly times I don't like him. And I think that when you go into marriage and you think that it's always going to be like, like the Disney movies make it seem like, right? Like you'll be happily right. ever after. It's very unrealistic. And I tell that to my right. daughters is um, like, you know, when you start dating and when you start thinking about getting serious, like really own that person with their faults, like just as they are. And then that makes it a lot easier. So there's times I, I like love him to death so much. And then there's times I just kind of like, like him. But I think what's always kept me focused in our marriage is that I always think back to when I fell in love with him when I feel like he's really getting on my nerves, it doesn't mm -hmm. last for very long because I always think of falling in love. And I just think, mm -hmm. I'm like, that was like the most magical thing I did feel in my life. Like, you just can't, that's like, not that I've ever done crack, but they say that's like a crack high. Like, you just can't yeah. ever get that again. <laughs> you, can't, you can't experience that again. And I'm just like, God, you're so amazing. And so you do have to work at it, right? Like, and especially now during a pandemic, um, you have to put that effort. We never were big on like even doing date nights. I think it's just spending a little time where it's just you and he one-on-one -on -one 
Um, our interests are so different. He loves to cook. I don't like, I don't like going in the kitchen. I'll go there to clean. And then I want to be out like in and out. That's it. I'm done. He loves to cook. That's his love language. And last year we did a class on love languages and it was just very insightful to learn truly what his love language was and mm-hmm. what mine was. And so now, like, if we get to a point, I'm like, you're not feeding my love language. You're not doing the things that I, and, and, and then I think, am I honoring his love language? Am I being a good spouse? And, mm-hmm. and it is, it is work. It, it definitely What's your love is. language? So mine apparently I think is positive affirmation and gifts. Although mm-hmm. now I don't think some gifts, like again, material things I can get it. I'm like, whatever. It's not that big a deal. Um, more like even like spending time is, is a, is a big deal. Yeah. You know, I can see you being words of affirm. I find that people that I think are great communicators are words of affirmation because I think Mm -hmm. we often give love how we like to receive receive it. Right. And I'm definitely words of affirmation. So like I, I'll, I won't send somebody a birthday card, but I'll like write you a sonnet about what you mean to me. But like, if you're not a person that wants to receive that, that really means nothing to you. Nothing. nothing. It's so it's, yeah, my husband like does not need words and I'm all words. And how we work, I don't really know. (laughs) Me either. I don't either. I look at him and you know, there's times that I'm like, babe, why do you love me? And he's like, what? Shut up. (laughs) I say that every day. I'm like, can you tell me three things you like about me? You love me. And he's like, are, are you freaking kidding me? You know, or like you've seen those Instagram posts where they're like walking on the beach and they're holding hands or they're looking up at each other. And sometimes like we'll go to take a picture and he's like, you got to be kidding me, right? You're not going to do that. <laughs> I know. I will never have an influencer husband and I just have to be like, how does he feel about Instagram? And all? Like, is he on it? Does he pay attention? So he's not on his, he has no social media, nothing whatsoever. Um, he's really like, I thought he would be as into mine. Like, you know, he'll ask me some questions. I'll tell him a little bit about some things. And sometimes I'll like film him and he actually like plays along. Although his humor again is very dry and people like message me. Well, I've had this one lady, she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? She was like, I just would have been crying if my husband said or spoke to me like that. I was like, girl. What? What did he say? Like, it was like he had said, like, he he was home. And I was like, wait, you're home for the day? And he was like, today is my day. Like, you're not going to ask me to do anything. And (laughs) in David's tone, which his tone, again, like, take out the love, take out the smile in that. And it's just dry. And she was like, are you? And I was like, honey if you've noted nothing by following me is that I'm a strong woman and trust me, <laughs> if I was okay. not happy, I would not be here, you know? <laughs> right. And so, so I just kind of like laugh, but he does, he plays along. Well, I shouldn't say even play along. He's just himself. Sometimes he's like, I don't want to be, yeah. I, I don't like it, you know, but he's seen how much joy it's just brought me so much joy, the connections. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I see a lot of people right now moving away and like, almost kind of I don't want to say bashing Instagram but like not remembering the good things that Instagram can do and when I look now some of my closest friends are from Instagram you know which yeah it's incredible and and I love it and the things that I've learned from these women and they're just so encouraging and yeah it's become more work um you know my husband says come on he says you need to you need to plan out your stuff and I'm like yeah I'm not that person you know, I, even if I try to plan, yeah, it doesn't work for me. 
I'm just spontaneous. I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about this today. And, and I've tried to be that. Like, people go, oh, I look at this influencer, what she's doing. I actually don't. I look at what the I'm same. doing. <laughs> because this is me. I'm gonna, if I'm going to show up authentic and be me, I don't try to watch anyone else's stories because I don't want to even subconsciously take in what someone else is doing. I want to come on there and be myself. I want to come on there and be like, yo, I was thinking about this. And, and I tell my, you know, I tell my friends on there, I'm like, oh yeah, my husband really got on my nerves today. Or this is what I'm struggling with right now. You know, this pandemic fatigue, you know, just the fears, the woes, the, the reality of life. Um, right. I never want to be that toxic positivity, you know, right. like people hate that. Right. Oh gosh. Right. So <laughs> I never, I never want to, to be that I, it, I'm, I'm realistic. I, I do try to check myself. I'm like, am I being toxic? Am I like, no, I'm just like, this makes me happy. This does not make me happy. I do know how to get to what makes me happy again. That's really what I want people to know, to remember that option, to remember, um, that, that there is good. There are going to be some days that aren't going to be bright and wonderful. Right. And I think like what people are tired of is the hyper curated aspirational influencer from yesteryear. And I think we're in this era where we want people, we want human beings coming to the table and being pretty open and vulnerable as they are. And I find that the second I try to strategize, it doesn't work. But if I just show up as I am, as I feel how I would talk to somebody else in my mm -hmm. life on mm -hmm. that day, I think that's a better thing to do. Like I was on the phone with like a brand and they were like, what's your content calendar look like for the next six months? And I was like, I don't know my content calendar for the next six hours. <laughs> I'm trying that's to just me. exist. And that's my that's entire me. strategy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, but you know, you say that people say they want authentic, but they always still go towards those curated feeds. Like that's what blows True. me away. So right now it's like, you know, and it's the community we build as well. But I see all these girls and they're doing all the loop giveaways and I, I cringe with loop giveaways. I, I'm sorry. I just find that it's cheating in my mind. It's, it's just the it's way it's fraud. Cheating. It honestly yeah. is fraud. It, it's so it's so ridiculous. But nobody gets in trouble and nothing ever happens. People still participate. And so now, like, the whole goal is just to be a million. Like, every, you know, it's just a million. They want to get to a million. And I just look and I watch some of these girls and I was like, I kind of laugh because... I've been to events back when we did that. We, I mean, soon we're going to be like, you remember back in the day when we went? I to know. And you person. would see some of these people and I'm just like, whoa, you're nothing like you are on Instagram. And I would right. never want to be that. I would never want for people not to recognize or to be a snot or to be unapproachable. That would just defeat everything that I stand for because I'm like, to my own self be true. And that's what matters most to me. Mm -hmm. Besides any kind of money you're going to make, like, you know, maybe that's not your focus. And that's what I'm saying. Right. The followers need to be aware. And yet they complain. But the people they complain to are the authentic ones. They don't complain to the ones that are doing the curation. <laughs> and I'm just like, y'all are making me mad. That's when I get mad about it. <laughs> so you they come yes, on your page. I understand. <laughs> right. They come on your page and they're like, you know, I mean, not that they complain, but they're like, well, you know, you're selling too much. But yet you'll go on so-and-so's page and you're okay with her having 10 swipe ups in a row and you're going to swipe up and you're going to buy from her, but you're going to be upset with me. Come on. You should be supporting me or not. I'm not saying me, like just in general, you know, right. Support your authentic. Um, so I try to teach 
my followers that a lot. Like, if there's an influencer you really like, support her. Double tap, save it, like, help her, you know, whatever. If there's an algorithm, if there isn't an whatever it is, show her, like, okay, I might not like that that you did, but I'm going to support you. Yeah. But they support those big ones, and that's what makes me mad. As you're saying that, I'm like, it's almost like shop small. Right? <laughs> it's almost like, I feel I feel like a local business sometimes, and I feel like I am held to the expectations of these massive people who can afford to lose a lot of followers and lose a lot mm-hmm. of income. And I can't. Um, mm-hmm. And, right. uh, and I've tap danced for years to get the small following I do have. And um, mm-hmm. that's an interesting perspective. Cause I think that, yeah, I like, I do think we're in an era where people want, they think they want authenticity, but when I did that under the influencer or like, um, influence in the time of COVID podcast, I did a survey and Mm -hmm. I said, do you want people to be authentic? hundred percent. Yes. And then I said, Mm -hmm. if they're on tip, if that authenticity means that they are fundamentally tone deaf because their reality is out of touch, do you still Mm -hmm. want them to be authentic? And then it was split. Mm -hmm. And so, so we're, we contradict ourselves. We want authenticity, but only within our realm of what we think is acceptable. And that's just inherently arbitrary. And I think that what's frustrating for me too, is like, I think what happens is the the big people, the 500K, the million, the loop giveaway people, they get to this place with their followers where they receive so much of the feedback loop. They kind of get to this can't win mentality and then they just start to do stuff to spite. Like they don't care anymore. They disconnect, they disengage, and they don't actually listen to meaningful feedback. And it's actually kind of a sad thing where the people that profit the most off of their followers, I think are the most disengaged mm-hmm. because to get to that level, there is a level of like shamelessness, self-promotion and like mm-hmm. cheating. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it's kind of an interesting thing that happens where I, and then like this past year, especially with so much going on in the, in the world, when mm-hmm. people are like, I can't win. I'm like, it's not about winning. Like yeah, you're insane. Yeah. It, it, right. It's about connecting with people. It's about exactly. people knowing if you're profiting off of them, you care about them. Like, right. but then I, you, I watch these people thrive and it doesn't really matter. So why am I getting upset over it? <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said, you see them thrive and I laugh because I see some of the pictures that they post and I'm like, Oh my God, if I posted that, it would, it would tank. It would bomb. <laughs> right. but I'm like, Okay, girl, you know, and you almost want to write on the picture. This is a shitty picture. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I, I've become such a bitter critic at times. I'm like, okay, how, I would love to get to this place where I can just expect a default number of hearts right. just for being me. But no, I got to right? deliver. <laughs> you got to deliver. You got to deliver. But I will say there's something fun about actually growing your following to like that it's your people. And so, you know, with Black Lives Matter, right? Because my numbers increased. But then I felt very intimidated by that because I was like, okay, wait, are they really like here? Because they mm. want to be here. Are they? Do they really want to learn? Are they going to stay? Like, you know, because you're like, oh, I got the taste of the sweet juice. But is it, how long is it going to last? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you lose followers, I could lose 10. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why did they leave? Like, what did I do to them? And my friend, Carla, Carla, she was like, those weren't your people. And I'm like, right. You're, and Kate, and even Katie tells me, they're like, and so now I'm to the point where I'm like, maybe I wasn't serving you where you are in your life right now. But I also think that people are very easy, very quick to cancel rather than like, yeah. let's say it's a topic they don't agree with. They'll be like, oh, I'm unfollowing her instead of giving them a chance. And that's really how you learn. Right? 
the the diversity in the following isn't just about color. It's also about the religion. It's also about the body type. It's about psychosocial. It's so much more. And I think that when we cancel these people, it's because we're like, yeah, I can't relate to that. But then that's when you're really being ignorant because then you're not exposing yourself to something different to actually learn. Whereas right. now if something is, I'm like, well, that's, oh, I'm going to, wait, what is that? You might agree with it. doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but you can learn from it, right? I think it's really, yeah, misguided to think we need to align with everybody on everything ever. And the entire right. point of diversifying your feed by race, by body type, by income, by c- career, whatever it is, is to get different perspectives and that by design won't always match yours and they shouldn't because it's not I, your experience. I agree. And you know what, Kate? I learned um, truly how to appreciate my body from Instagram. Me too. Me too. I That has been huge for me over the past couple of years is feeling like empowered to just like... Mm-hmm. Right. That doesn't have to be, I mean, I won't call out a certain size, but I don't have to look a certain way to be beautiful. And like that there are other women that are looking that, you know, that want to see the representation. So I will tell you, I was talking to my daughter, one of my daughters, and I was like, I'm so nervous. I was nervous to come on the podcast. And she was like, mom, why would you? And it could almost make you emotional as a mom because the roles flipped. And she's like, mom, you have to think about you're a woman of color. And I was like, yeah. She's like, and you're a military spouse. She was like, and you're um, a midwife. You're, you're a provider, a practitioner. And she was like, people need to hear from you, mom. Do you realize? Yes. And I was just like, what? And she was like, and so I don't think that you should think about it like that because you have so much to offer and so much to teach. And I was just like, I'm a little emotional because you, like, this is my tough exterior <laughs> daughter. And I was like, I just love you so much right now. Like she just gave me this big, like literally like held her hand out for me to like step up, you know, and just yeah, such a big jolt. And I was like, that's, that's what it's about. Like giving someone that little bit of step up they might need in life sometimes. Right. You know, like, yeah, being that cheerleader. And it was just so beautiful to hear from, you know, my young daughter who's still trying to figure life out. And I, I have a small confession to make. I said to her, <laughs> Kate loves Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I said, I don't. <laughs> and I was like, and I feel like I need to tell her that. And she was like, wait, she goes, she's a huge Taylor. She's a huge Swift. She goes, wait, what? What do you have against Taylor, mom? And I said, <laughs> and I said, I don't know that I have anything. Like, she was like, Taylor got me through my childhood, through my teen years. Like, Taylor was there for me. And I'm like, okay, honey. I- <laughs> funny. That's a good example of something like Swifties have a zero tolerance policy for non-Taylor Swift fans. But like, I just know not everybody is dove as deep. Do I have a response for her writing a song about you? Yeah, but because I have like years of history of diving deep into her discography yeah. and feel she doesn't yeah. write songs about people anymore. But like, uh, it is funny because like, I don't really care. People are entitled to their own uh, taste. And no, I just, I, think that... I appreciate you not rejecting me for talking about her too much. No, no, no. I no, appreciate you. Was, no, what was interesting that when I got to the end of the conversation with her, I was like, you're right. I don't have any beef with Taylor. Like, I was like, <laughs> you're so right. You know, I was like, I think I just, yeah, I was like, you're, you're right. And I was like, man, this kid is like, open my eyes today, you know? So <laughs> she learned so, from the best. <laughs> you know, so sweet. I was just That's like, really she's sweet. Exactly what I needed. And I would have never thought, because she's usually the one's like, 
she's gruff, she's to the point, and she's like, I don't like it. And she was so <laughs> incredibly kind. So I have to give a huge shout out to my daughter, Marissa. Oh, Marissa. And I give a shout well, out to the other one. <laughs> what's your other daughter's name? Alyssa. Yeah, Alyssa and Marissa. Didn't, I didn't mean for them to rhyme. I did it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, Marissa's completely right. And that's as I as I've been sitting here listening to you talk, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so grateful for you coming on the podcast for this conversation and for you talking about things like healthcare that like A are things that I don't have expertise in and don't venture into. B, it's not very often I have a guest that has such a, a di- interesting variety of experience from influence mm-hmm. from healthcare. And like I, I just I'm so it's so true that people want to hear these conversations and it doesn't need to be like super structured or designed. It's just like people want to be hear women having a conversation an open conversation. And beyond that, I appreciate you so much because what I'm always trying to do with my podcast is like every podcast is like 12 ways to like life hack your way to productivity. Mm -hmm. Here's all the serums Mm -hmm. you need to anti-age. Here's all the workouts. And everyone's just always trying to make you feel bad about yourself even though they don't mean to, they're trying to make you have tools to feel better. Mm -hmm. But I just always want to come from a place of like, I'm not trying to correct anything you're doing. I just want people to leave here feeling capable and Mm -hmm. feeling like their truth, how they feel is valid. I I just, Mm -hmm. and I appreciate even you talking through like not connecting immediately with your child, not having a birth plan, your relaxed approach to things is very much how I feel too. And you're mm-hmm. such a shiny example of success, despite not having everything so in control and, mm-hmm. um, you know, needing it to be that way. And I really like to hear from examples of women who are successful with their careers and personal lives and um, uh, and aren't, I don't know, that just have like a more relaxed, like, it's your way, it's your journey, you'll figure it out type of thing. Because to me, exactly that right. that's supportive. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the support I need. I don't need to be told exactly what to do, but I need to be told it's okay sometimes. And you know what? what? What works for me might not work for you. Right. And a lot of times just listening and sitting and talking and, you know, I, I, tell, I tell this to my daughter right away. They want to be successful. And I'm like, like, own your journey. It, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So I'm going to be here to cheer you on. I'm going to be here to support you, you know, and I've always told them that as well. Your feelings are valid. And it, it bites me in the butt because they come back to me and they're like, mom, I'm like, no, I shouldn't. Mom, your feelings are valid. Like, it's okay oh, to yeah. be that way. So, it's it's it is a, a beautiful thing and and I that's definitely the message that I want to send to a woman whether she decides to have children or she doesn't want to have children whatever it is like just own your truth own you right yeah absolutely mm. and I that we talked about like right before we started recording um and I just want to touch on it again like mm-hmm. there, so there's this um HBO documentary that came out that was that's called um fake famous and it's this whole it's it's very tropey it's very dismissive it's very much like instagram is fake this world is bullshit and they they cast people and basically make them famous by following buying them followers and showing how instagram is just you know it's kind of like monopoly money or whatever and like the whole i had to turn it off i was just like frustrated by it and what's funny is i agree that a lot of influencer stuff is vapid but we were talking earlier about the connectivity and the community and how in this past isolating year, how meaningful it's been to have access to and be in touch with other women in our individual communities or across influencers. Mm -hmm. And I think like you are such an example of somebody who 
create like creates a safe space and a relatable one and like have do you feel like you have really most more than not like very positive interactions with your following and with other women in the community oh my gosh you know that's so interesting you say that i have so many friends that are big big bloggers and they get these nasty messages and so it's made me like scared to grow because they're like the more people you get like you know and then you find there are some followers that have strong opinions and again i think for me because i deal with people you know on a, such a personal level i'm just like all right yeah you know i i don't I don't ever get nasty messages. I really don't. Yeah. I yeah. really don't. I think I got one that I was kind of put off by, but the rest are always, you know, so kind and they're, they, they're very uplifting. They're just like, thank you so much. I spend time in my DMs. I know a lot of people don't like DMs. I love DMs. I'm a weirdo. I mean, I am like, this is freaking great. Like I get to meet all these people, you know? If it was not for my Instagram, I don't think that this pandemic would have been as, I don't know, it's just been great for me. I mean, great as far as, you know, this thinks, this is miserable. But for me being an extrovert, I literally, I'm now an introvert. <laughs> I am okay with being at home. I'm like, oh, I get to explore a different part of my house today. Like, I am okay with it. <laughs> Is that okay with it? Whether it's the laundry room or I'm going to sit in this closet, like, but I have all these friends I can talk to whenever I want to. And it's wonderful. I have truly had such a wonderful time on Instagram. I, I know you had asked me before and I am going to come out with a newsletter and, and I'm working on a blog and I'm, I think I'm, I'm scared because you know, who, who doesn't want to succeed, but I'm like, you know what, if even it's just one person reads it, it's fine. I'm probably more scared because it takes commitment and it takes time. But when I look at my Women's Health Wednesday and the work I put into it, I lose all of that every single week. And so yes. not everybody can be on Instagram all the time. And so I want it to be a way, like, even if they can't hear the video, they can at least read the information and find it. Mm -hmm. And so that it'll live somewhere, you know, and I have so many amazing women that have like been telling me this forever, you know, like Jesse and Kirby and Grace Atwood and, uh, an indigo day and um poor little it girl and carla reed and, and oh my god like, i love all of on. those people you just listed yeah. off like some of my yeah, favorite yeah. Like, people my yes. favorite people like i love <laughs> them all and they've all like told me you know the instagram's great but what happens if it goes away and i'm like ah you know and Lindsay and co and like it's just and stephanie i don't know if you follow my friend stephanie trotter like phenomenal the girl guide like just I've just met some of the most amazing people. So you know what? It's a community that you build. It's the people you surround yourself with. Um, when I was growing up, there's an old adage that they say in Spanish, like, tell me the people you hang around with and I'll tell you the kind of person you are. And I would like mm -hmm. to say that for my community, and I could get very emotional saying this, I truly have like the best community. They mm -hmm. are, they are there. They're like, what can we do? Like they will literally message me and they're like, Elsa. Do you have a link? I'd love to use a link to buy this. I'm going to go shop at this place. I'm like, okay, girl, I'll send you a link. Like, so it's very, very thoughtful. They're just they're good humans. They really are. And I, I believe that we all have that innate to want to be a good person. And so mm -hmm. I, I lead, I lead with that. When I meet someone, even if they are so annoying, like if there's someone I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this person and their behavior. I focus on the thing about them that I really, really like. And I let that be the thing that overwhelms me so that then I'm not focusing on the negative. Yeah. And that's kind of how I lead in my life. And I think in my community that shows like I don't have tolerance 
if you're here to be mean, then this isn't the place for you. Then you need to move on. And 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 I wish you well. Maybe one day you come back and you're welcome to. I will greet you with open arms. But you're not gonna be mean here. And so I don't get I don't get that crap, which I'm knock on wood, but I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I I really I appreciate you sharing that. And I like I like to share the upsides of the internet too, because I I feel very similarly like I the the nicest human beings listen to this podcast and are in the Facebook group and on Instagram and mm. like you said about that link is people that go out of their way to to say to me a stranger how can we support you mm-hmm. I'm just like god I, like you kind of have these moments like what did I do to deserve these people that are interested yeah. in what I'm doing and saying and like and and that's the thing it's so easy to complain about Instagram and and, and the internet and DMs and all this stuff but like the bottom line is my career is made and sustained by these people who right. might feel insignificant tapping through my story, but they're the lifeblood of why I get to do what I do. And exactly. I'm so incredibly grateful um, for their interest and engagement and willingness to be malleable to a degree if they don't like everything I'm doing, but they stick right. around anyway. And exactly. I just think that more examples of women thriving and connecting um, are important to showcase because it's so easy to be like, oh, influencers swipe up. Like, it's so popular to make fun of influencers. Like, we get it. Women have dumb interests. Like, I just like, it's, I'm so tired of it. But like, me too. It It really makes me sad. I I agree with you. It really, it really makes me sad. And when I see people even like bad mouthing other women and like, oh, she did, you know, these big influencers and they're doing this. And I'm like, dude, don't put that negative energy out there. Like, focus on doing some good on your page. Focus like on unfollow them here. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like, I, I don't know. You just don't have to really just be a kind human. Like if you don't know where to start, I'm about to, I'm going to tell you, here you go, guys, life changing. <laughs> just be kind. Whoa. <laughs> it, it really freaking works. It really does. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> like if you're in a shitty mood, stay home. Like I'll, military spouse. One thing I'll tell you is I had, um, my husband you know he was like in charge of all these people and so you never know when you're going to run into someone and someone might know you and you might not know them right and so you could like be in a bad mood or you know you're backing up and someone's in your way and you want to like flip them off you can't do those things especially if you're on base because you just never know right so I always right. had to so here we are at this course and they're like teaching you they're grooming you and how to behave and dress and all of this and here I'm like the outside I was like so what about on the like all you guys have told me is about for him what about for me you know, I'm like, tell yeah. me about me, self-care for me. And she was like, so I will tell you, and this is so old school. She said, if your lovely meter is low, don't go out that day. Hmm. And I was like, mind blowing, you know? So if something like picked you off, you might not want to be out and engage me because you won't realize how that will come across. Right. You know? It's interesting. I constantly feel at odds between like, living my truth, but being deeply believing that of in the importance of being polite. Then also sometimes I think that I, at the expense of being honest, I'm a little too polite or whatever. Mm. But I think that's a really great, simple way to think about it. as like a lovely meter. It's not like (laughs) I'm being fake or contrived. 
it's like, am I like some days I'm just like sour and I, and I stay off the internet. Like you'll notice like mm-hmm. probably two days a month, I just go dark. Cause I'm like, I have nothing nice to say. And this right. is going to manifest in a very right. bad way. The general right. public. So I kind of approach Instagram and in with that lovely meter mentality of like, am I just bitter? Am I just on one? Then like, I got to take a step back. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're so right. Uh, that's exactly. And so I kind of use that like as a gauge or, Oh, that kind of bothered me. And I'm thinking now talking to the next person, but you still kind of have that in the back of your mind. Kind of like we were talking right. about the patient that comes in and you don't realize she's got, she's thinking she's being fine, but she's got yeah. this, like, you know, this stank face because she's ticked off. She couldn't get that parking spot. Somebody took her spot. Her husband showed up late. The kids have been crying. The house is a freaking mess. And she still got to go home to cook dinner. Yeah. She's yeah. not in a good mood. But she doesn't realize it's not it. you. So she's plotting <laughs> it. Right. So. Like, you know, we kind of just have to, we do a little self-check every once in a while. It's amazing the difference You're we can make and, and the difference we can make in this freaking world. Like, everyone looks like you want to do something grand. We're not all going to be like a man, you know, McGormick. We're, we just need to just, if we start right here, right what you have control over in your house, in the people you connect with, if we start being kind, I can't imagine the depth of what that could be in this world. I know, just like checking yourself and being like, I'm going to act pleasantly today toward everybody I interact with, even rather my dog. Rather than buy a freaking coffee, <laughs> like rather than buy me a coffee, you know, like everyone's like, do this random act of kindness. I'm like, pull the damn door for me. Like, look at me in the eye when you're walking by me. That to me, I'm like, hi, thank you. Know. You know, because that, that's how I was taught. Like that was military courtesy. You didn't walk by someone and not make eye contact. Right. And people now, I'm like, didn't even look at me, you know, like, yeah, so like, do you see quiet. me? Am I invisible? Yeah. Do you see me? <laughs> it is an interesting thing. And then masks make that even easier because people don't have to show any emotion. We're all just oh hiding even gosh. further. I'm reading, um, I'm like this, looking in their eyes. Looking, <laughs> I'm looking for that smile. Girl, is that a smile I see? <laughs> I know, I've been smizing with my mask for sure. Um, before I let you go, I have to ask for the influencer of it all. What like what are some of your like favorite, favorite things that you'll back and you like to often promote? I know one that I kind of have teased you about because I just don't have one is like a Dudley Stevens, but like you're a huge fan. And you look so freaking cute. You look so cute in them. I you know, I think what it is, I I I do. I love Dudley. I love them. I'm it's kind of hard right now living in South Florida because they are definitely right. Yeah, so that's been, but they have different texture ones. They have like thinner ones, and now they came out even with a summer line. I'd met the sisters, and so I developed a relationship with them. So I really like them. Um, Dudley, Tom Kelly is another one, and, and all you know, sustainable brands. Not that I'm like into that yet, because that's a whole nother world and sector, as you say. And Olive in June, I had a nail polish named after me. Oh, I year. love, yes. Yeah, that was just like the biggest high, you know. and when people tag me and they're like HGC and I'm like, isn't it kind of funny though? That it's almost like HCG, which is like pregnancy test. Yes. Like I, I was just like, you're... wait, why do I know those letters? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. H- HG. So I almost did like HCG, but HGC, the color is like perfect. It's I have it. Favorite. Oh, yay. Oh, I did see that you got a box. I love, I love them. So it's just been, I, I really, I don't have any bad stories for Instagram. I don't have, I have nothing but good experiences and, and I'm going to continue on there. You know, when I talked about possibly doing a, another forum, I hadn't really known my followers yet. 
they're like, wait, are you not going to be here on stories? Because I do. I love stories. I get on there. They're like, I just feel like I'm your friends. And I'm like, you are my friends. Like I'm sharing yeah. with you. This is, this is my real life, you know? And sometimes right. it might get boring, but this is my real life. So yeah, those are, those are probably my top. The Equilibrium, the Dudley, the Tom Kelly, the Olive and June, J. Crew and Madewell, of course, you know, that's just. Oh yeah, staples. same. Yeah, I love those are just staples, but. Oh my gosh. Perfect. Elsa, you like, I, I, I think you're so wonderful. This was such a fun conversation. And like, I feel like your friend too. And you've sometimes you are you're my friend. a mentor and I just think I love what you're doing. I hope you keep doing it. I will subscribe and to everything you ever do. And I think it's really smart to have it live somewhere because the temporary nature of stories, it can be a problem because you put so much effort into things and then they disappear. Yes. So I'm really glad to hear you're doing that. Um, and I'll update my audience too when uh, that launches. Mm-hmm. But where can people Thank find you? Um, it's so it's underscore happy go curly. I think if you just type in happy go curly, you can find me. Um, you just see all the big curls on the picture. But yeah, underscore happy go curly underscore. So that's me. Perfect. And I will tag you too. Thank you again oh, for your time. Thank and- you. This is amazing. Like, oh, what a great way to start my weekend, my week. I just, I feel regenerated, recharged. So this was wonderful. Thank Marissa on behalf of all of us for the pep talk, because you are wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kate. Take care. Hope to see you soon. Bye. Bye. I mean, don't you just love her? That conversation was good for my soul. I... I think I I needed it that day. And um, Elsa, if you're listening, thank you for being such a bright light. Uh, So open, so supportive of women and um, encouraging all of us to be more open and confident and aware of our own bodies and uh, power as women. I think that I'm forever undoing a lot of uh, uh, shame I was taught, you know, as I've talked about many times with the my issues with like church and the public school system. Uh, I have two, two episodes on purity culture from, I think, is it, was it November, 2019, where I crowdsourced stories of people's uh, body related or sex related drama, really exciting stuff. Um, but anyway, I just, I really like these topics surrounding women. I haven't really done an episode that centered on women's health. And I just think she's really great insight and I could talk to her forever and I'm so grateful that she was willing to come on the show. So be sure to give her a follow, um, underscore, uh, happy go curly underscore, and uh, prepare to just have a little bit more joy injected into your days when you go through her stories. Um, but anyway, guys, I'll, I'll hop off. I won't keep you too long. We're just under two hours. Damn. Like, what is this? A, a, a mini-sode? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I love you so much. Thanks to everybody that came to the live show. If we have, I have a whole new like website. I have a whole, all new merch. We we made a be there in five coat of arms with like twenty five hidden Easter eggs in it. It looks like a collegiate sweatshirt Princess Diana is wearing with biker shorts and that one famous shot of her wearing that Harvard Harvard mock neck. We have stuff that says breezy. We have Rush BTI Fi. We have the full bore world tour. We have mugs that say only good boys on the ground get crumbs and uh, a little less three six nine. No, no, a little less ABC one two three. A little more three six nine DMG fine. You know. All the fun catchphrases. Um, I had a blast making it, though. And thanks to Lauren Wilson, who uh, did the design. And uh, I just like love working with Beth's, if you will, uh, 
for contract work because like they just understand me <laughs> it's like very weird to be like hey so light design work um could you take a heart make it into a venn diagram add my old podcast logo i will be needing stars i will be needing hanging hearts for my old mat logo i need a doormat i need a wine glass i need a sparkly blazer i need a bar cart i need a dipping sauce i need a wine glass while we're at it, let's make it into a shield. Can we put my dog at the top of the crown and have him holding twinkle lights as reins that spell out too long needs co-hosts for a little Easter egg fun to take back the criticism I get on this podcast? Maybe we'll put my sign off at the bottom with I swear on a blanket scarf to represent my blanket statements and we have to adorn it with a bubble necklace just like, you know, I once did with my one from Alibaba that took six to eight weeks to arrive. And, you know, it's like kind of a tall order and she delivered. <laughs> I'm really impressed. <laughs> so if you go to be there in five.com and click shop, uh, so you, you can find all like the podcast advertisers there too under podcast and then under shop it has like my Amazon storefront and podcast merch and the doormats we ordered more stock so we'll have them at least through the end of the month I don't know how long we're going to keep them it depends on um, if my soul can handle being back in e-commerce because uh, we kind of built out a new supply chain to make this work and we're going to see if we can handle it customer service wise so fingers crossed but a lot of people already got their merch in less than a week and that was my goal because it took me I got Courtney a cardigan from Taylor Swift for her birthday and it took I mean when did folklore come out I just got it like <laughs> I don't understand long merch life cycles and how people survive I I, I want it I want a week or less um but anyways oh I went over two hours that was uh-huh so close uh, but I love you guys. Uh, follow me at Be There in Five. Uh, support our advertisers is the best way to support me. If you like this episode, share it on your Instagram story and tag me, and uh, or message me if you're private. Sometimes it's easier to get to me or Courtney on the Be There in Five podcast Instagram account because those DMs are less of a faucet. Um, and I love you. I appreciate you. Take good care of yourselves. Leave a review if you'd be into it. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. 